we deliver peace of mind. And, and the reason I say it that way is because I have a system of, of, of conversation that I have when, when we onboard a family, and it's really driven from a psychological direction. Uh, most people in our industry think from the left brain, analytics, right. math, logic. And what I've learned over my career is that money is all emotional and psychological. So, you know, you could have the same amount of money as the next three guys that are just like Michael, same age, you know, same, you know, they could all be lawyers. You guys could have the exact same dollar amount in the bank and come ask me for advice. I can't treat you all exactly the same. I'm Michael Elkins, labor and employment attorney, founder of the law firm MLE Law, angel investor, and more directly, your host of Game 7, the sports, business, and lifestyle podcast. Today, I bring you part two of my interview with my good friend, wealth advisor, Tunde Agunlana. In this episode, we take a little bit of a different approach, moving on from business philosophy to talking about modern-day issues relating to branding, social media, consumption, and generally what's happening in the world today with respect to how we're marketing ourselves, how we're taking in content, and what we're inevitably doing with our money based on those things. This was a really fun interview to do. We did it a couple months later. I think you're going to really enjoy these concepts and some of this discussion. These are issues that are really facing us, and Tunde was open about what's happening and what are his thoughts. So sit back, relax, and enjoy part two of my interview with my good friend, Tunde Agunlana. All right, so we're sitting here. I guess we could call this like podcast 2.0 with you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Sitting <laughs> here with my good buddy Tunde, whose last name I can't pronounce. So I'm not going to try to pronounce your last name. Ogunlana. Right, that. There you go. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Great doing wonderful. You. So the first time we did this, I think this is interesting. We did this at your house under construction in oh, yeah. plantation. So we've upgraded. Definitely. <laughs> my house is finally done, but this is definitely an upgrade. Right. I, I, we're here at the River House yeah, at uh, Las Solas. on Las Solas in Fort Lauderdale. Your good buddy's place. Uh, what's his name again? Chauncey Mayfield. So big thanks to Chauncey Mayfield, who's probably going to be on this podcast later. Definitely. Um, real estate mogul has done a bunch yep. of stuff in private equity. but And has had to put up with me for about a decade. So Indeed. He has that Indeed. unfortunate... Uh, you know, so before before we get into it, um, we talked a little bit on the first podcast, which is going to kind of come out the same time as this one about like what you do. But in case anybody's listening to this one for the first time, uh, talk a little bit about real quick what you do, who you are um, and how maybe well we already talked about how we met. So yeah, we can leave, we can leave that out. No. And um, no, but thanks, Mike, for uh, for kind of giving me the floor here. Um uh, we uh, are a wealth management firm uh, providing multifamily office services for families with a net worth in the range of about five to fifty million. Um, that's where we're, our suite and our comfort spot is. And um, who I am is a guy who loves what I do. And and like I say, we we try and provide peace of mind to the families we work with. I mean, that's in a nutshell, really, what it's about. So sure, that's where we're at. And you and I have known each other probably a couple of years now. Yeah, I think. I think and last time we 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 talked about how we met at the uh, that's right at the coffee shop at the coffee shop, now. which isn't even the same coffee shop yeah. anymore, by the way. Which is just, <laughs> a cool story about life. Yeah, the good story about networking, and, yeah. and you and I have talked now more times than I can count <laughs> about business and entrepreneurship and life. That's called friendship, man. That's true. <laughs> I think my, I think the last conversation we had when you were connecting me, I was I was bemoaning to you that. 
someone I knew just got engaged, if you recall correctly. Um, they'll stay nameless. They'll stay nameless. Of course, they'll stay nameless. Um, in any event, uh, we had an interesting talk briefly, and I think it's kind of fun for this podcast. You know, we talk a lot about like branding, social media, marketing, and we we're talking about kind of the, the LeVar Ball, Lonzo Ball dynamic. Like, when does it kind of go too far? Um, because you know Lavar garners so much attention, yeah, for his son, right? And um, some people think that that's super negative. I've kind of taken—I don't want to call it a contrarian view, but I sort of look at it like look at all the free media he's getting, getting his son, who, by the way, I don't think is all that great from NBA level standards. Um, and you and I were kind of just having a back and forth about that in terms yeah. of media and attention. Like, what do you think about all that? It's happening? interesting. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll start somewhere else. Okay. Um, about it just, it, as you were winding that up, it got me thinking about the book I'm currently reading. Cause I try and, you know, at least read something, uh, at, at every, any given point. Uh, it's, uh, I guess I'll give this guy a free plug. Right. It's called the laws of human nature by Robert Greene. I love Robert um, Greene. Yeah, yeah. People know him from 48 laws of power, but this is his latest book. And unfortunately many people don't, uh, may not know Mr. Green suffered a stroke recently. So That's right. he may not, uh, uh, be able to write anymore and let's hope he does or he's able to, but, um, um, the, the, the it's a very interesting book because it's really about much deeper than he's gone before about human psychology and, you know, I won't get into the book itself, but the reason why I thought of it is the recent chapter I read was called called The Law of Narcissism. And he does a great job of kind of pointing out that we're all narcissists to certain spec on a certain spectrum. And then you've got kind of the more extreme spectrums and how they all play out right. various angles. So the, the reason I thought of that and the book and specifically that chapter was because when he mentioned the father, I guess, LeVar. Yeah. Um, he strikes me as, and you know, not to be negative about the guy, but the, the true clinical kind of definition of a narcissist. Well, he did that, say that he could beat Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> things that are Weird. almost unrealistic um, and the kind of larger-than-life sense in which he portrays not only himself but his family. You know, just everything that comes out of his mouth. Um, you know, that's what I think of when I think of him. And I guess does is that good for his son's career? Right. I don't know. I mean, I, I know that it might be good for the brand. Uh, well, and I don't know. I mean, I have mixed feelings about all that stuff. I mean, I've heard this said a lot, especially in the last couple of years, you know, that any publicity is good publicity. Sure. You know, even negative. You just want to be in the headline. But I think there's there's a part of us all that kind of if it's not genuine and it's not kind of positive, at least. And it, and it looks like it's an, kind of coming from the right place in the heart. I think all of us were thin over time with those type of characters. And what I mean by that is I think people like LeVar Ball, in the beginning, it's more of a shock value. We're right. not used to people acting like that. I mean, I haven't watched every single sports figure ever in history, but I can imagine, I mean, we've never really seen a parent like this. Indeed. Um, at least in the last couple of decades that I've been watching sports. And so at first you're kind of intrigued and it's like a deer in the headlights or watching a train wreck off the highway. Like you're kind of looking like, okay, um, wow, what's going on over here? But then if you're, you're looking at the train wreck or the car accident, whatever, and you see that there's 18 mangled bodies and it's a bad sight, I mean, you're going to kind of turn your <laughs> head and say, 
you know, this is too bad. I just don't want to, you know, this isn't positive. Right. I, I don't want to see this. And, and I think that's how someone like him in the long term, they kind of wear out. And I, I don't know what that means for his son's brand because I think you make a good point. Maybe it would have been different had a player like LeBron James or Dwayne Wade had a parent like that, where the p- player was that good that we could kind of overlook the parent. Right. But I almost feel sorry for his son in the sense that I feel like his son is trapped by his dad's personality because you made an interesting point. And I haven't followed the NBA as much this season as I have in past years, so I don't want to speak directly on LeVar Ball's game. I mean, sorry, Lonzo Ball's game in that way. And I'm not here to criticize him at all. Um, my, my point is is that from wh- what I understand, he's a kind of average NBA player. You know, he's not Correct. an all-star. star. Yeah. He's not the last guy on the bench. You know, he's, he's a good kind of 10 points a game type of guy, I'm, I'm guessing. So with the attention that his dad brought, did that give an undue pressure to a kid like him that I think without the dad's mouth and had he just been a normal kind of NBA situation without a loud parent, Maybe he could have been allowed a little bit more leeway. He'd have been no one would have noticed him now, and maybe in three, four years, if he's averaging eighteen, we would have all said, "Wow, what a great blossom!" You know, this kid blossomed, and now he's one of the best players. I don't mean to cut you yeah. off, but it's there's a couple things from that that I kind of want to unpack. First Go of ahead. all, Robert Green and Forty Eight Laws of Power. Just generally <laughs> speaking, I love Robert Green. I love Forty Eight Laws of Power, and I'm a huge fan of um, Ryan Holiday who was Robert Greene's intern and wrote, you know, the daily stoic. And you talked about ego, right. And narcissism, Ryan holiday wrote ego is the enemy. Yeah. So it's interesting that you flowed from Robert Greene into the narcissist issue. Cause Ryan holiday has an entire book about that. And obviously worked with Robert. Did Green. he write the obstacle is the way he, okay. that's, which is my all time favorite yeah, book. That's a good book. I post about that book <laughs> probably <laughs> like eight times a year. <laughs> I quote that book. To, in fact, I was just having lunch with someone And they were talking about sort of life decisions and where they wanted to be. And I said, you need to get the obstacle is the way, which I've read and reread now probably eight different times. So, you know, it's funny. I've never shared this with you. So a good friend of mine um, who had a good career in the NBA and and retired a couple years ago, he and I were talking. I mean, we were never got serious about this, but we kind of were dancing around the idea of writing a book a few years ago. And, um, so I, I took a shot in the dark and emailed Robert Green. I think you and, did tell and, me a little bit and, about this. Yeah, no. He, did he email he, you back? Yeah, no. We had a nice call. Um, great guy. I was uh, just very impressed with, with his kind of mindset and, and his personality. But the funny thing is, the reason I bring that up is because when I was telling him and fumbling around about writing this book, this is about two years ago now. Right. He had shared with me that he was in the, he had just kind of started writing the book that I just read. You know, the right. So he was in the process. So he says. I don't have I, I I can't help you guys as much as I'd like to, but I can introduce you to like the guy that was my junior understudy and all that, and I didn't really take him take him up on that. And then and it was Ryan Holiday. Yeah, two years later, I'm reading this guy's book, thinking, man, maybe I should call man, Robert. There's a there's I a think part I missed of, that boat. There's a part of me inside right now that just died a little because yeah. I think Ryan Holiday is amazing. I think he, that ship sailed. Yeah, though, I, I think we lost it. I, so if I talk to Robert again, I'll see if I can let I, me I know. Have a chance. <laughs> You know, I got introduced to Ryan Holiday on the Suiting Up podcast by Paul Rabel. And certainly this podcast, I make no secret, is kind of patterned after Rabel's podcast. I don't quite um, do it a little differently. But, um, you know, Holiday's book, Ego is the Enemy, goes right to the issue of narcissism. I was actually talking about Ego is the Enemy today at lunch. In any event, I think narcissism plays a huge role in it. 
generally from a branding perspective, when you put yourself out there as a business or as an individual, I think particularly when you're putting your brand out there, which is not just your business, right? It's your story. And you have to really be consistent. People will call you a narcissist. I've actually gotten that. You know, I push a lot of content on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And I've gotten that from people like, oh, who do you think you are? Just yeah. pushing. But that's part of, part, of the, part of the branding process. But in terms of like what we've seen before in sports, I just thought of this while we were talking. We have seen this with an athlete or athletes that are great. The Williams sisters. Venus and Serena but, had a bombastic father. But was he – I think he was different than – Different generation. You know, but it, but he's also – I think he was coming at it because – and I'm just yeah sh- sharing it from a documentary I saw recently. He was sharing also a little bit of his edge, I think, came from the obstacles that they were kind of going through as being kind of the first. Like That's any true. Any first is going to have That's true. You know, more obstacles than obviously the people that come in behind them. And – and I'm not – I'm just saying that I think that he was taken as being a little bit, um, I don't know, ornery, the word I'm thinking of, you know, <laughs> like kind word. of just, just like, you know, um, That's a good standoffish word. and a little bit combative, I guess. Yeah. Because I think that, um, you know, if you look at from the 80s and the early 90s, I mean, there weren't a lot of people that looked like them on the tennis courts. And, nope. And, you know, I, I have been in situations like that in the past, especially back in those years, you know, the 80s and 90s. when Right. Um, if you were one of the only ones there, a lot of people just didn't give you any credit or any ability to even show yourself, um, as opposed to today's world where I think it's a lot more um, uh, understanding and, 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 and different. Um, and so that's why I don't compare the two primarily because clearly LeVar Ball and his son Lonzo don't have that issue in the NBA. I mean, you know, Fair. it's just not. Yeah. And I just think like, They're not I, I didn't feel like the Williams sister, their father was – like, I feel like this guy's all about getting his own attention, and he's just using his kids as a prop. Like, that's, that's a good point. I feel like that guy genuinely wanted to see his daughters do well. And that's true. He was just fighting for his girls, in a sense. I, I don't know if it... Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, if it makes sense. And I guess he wasn't... Maybe I should take it back. He was a known presence as a parent. He was intense. I mean, if you, like, learn the history of yeah. how he trained them from when they were little kids. I mean, he... He very much understood like the way for success for them is I'm going to create these two yeah. you know amazing tennis players, but he was not. Um, he was controversial. He wasn't. He wasn't as bombastic yeah. from a social standpoint. But of course, the world was different then. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what it would have looked like if Instagram and you know instant media existed yeah. then. Well, that's a good point. I you mean, know, we, we don't know that. I think, and, and, and it I wasn't guess, a team sport. But here's the difference too with this guy, and I don't, I don't want to just beat up on Lavar Ball either. But that's okay. I, he's I he's remember, not going to listen to this. No, I remember um, there was an interview sometime probably a year ago, and he had his wife in the interview, you know, right. the kid's mom, and he was just derogatory towards her in the interview. Like he called well, her an idiot or something, yeah. like right there. And I was just thinking, like, that's my point. It's more like the, the just the human being part of it. Like, dude, that's your wife. It's television, man. Like, why are you gonna talk to you her? You know like what's that? interesting about that, which kind of leads to a secondary part of this, right? Like the idea of all attention is good attention, or all media yeah. is good media. You know, he's the guy. I think people may forget this, but he's the guy that coined that phrase "stay in your lane," right? And he did it in that interview. With, you know, Christine Leahy, who yeah. was with Colin Cowherd for a while, and I think she's got her own show now. 
That was on the was on that Colin Cowherd show where he she tried to make a comment. I don't remember what she said. He definitely went at her pretty good and definitely I can't remember the exact words, but it was basically implying like you're a woman, stay in your lane. Yeah. But that stay in your lane mantra has taken off. And I'm not saying that's a good thing, by yeah, the way. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, you can see it in commercials now. In fact, there was uh I forget the company that's doing it, but it was a commercial about you should hire the best in whatever profession and in the commercial there's like a tattoo artist doing a tattoo on a guy and the kid says to the tattoo artist like hey shouldn't you shouldn't you draw the tattoo on my arm first before you do it and the tattoo artist looks at him and goes stay in your lane bro like huh. that came yeah, from yeah. him that's funny so it's interesting how something negative which started negative can i don't want to use the word blossom but that's what happened. yeah like, i mean that's that's kind of i think life and, and media and marketing but I think back to back to Lavar. I think part of the conversation we had when, you know, we had talked about doing this uh, on the microphone was, you know, it's it's one thing the outside branding, right? Like the NBA and the marketing and the shoe deals and all that. But then I think part of my feeling as a guy that you know I never got paid a dollar to play a sport, but I played right. up through college, you know, uh, NCAA ball and and. You know, the one thing that I know from being on a basketball team, that you know, when it's competitive and all that is, I, I don't know if I would say, I almost said almost just as important, but I, w- I might even change that to just as important as skill, kind of technical skill on the court, I would say would be the camaraderie within the locker room, the, 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 the relationships within the team. Um, I don't think anybody's ever won a championship, I would think, in any organization or sport or, or anything. Um with really, really shitty chemistry and camaraderie. I mean, I just can't in, in today's the hyper nineteen the 1970s Yankees might disagree with okay. you. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that level of history. <laughs> well, that'd be one example. I'm sorry. I was going to say that, you know, with today's level. I actually of, think for them, dysfunction was their chemistry, but that's a yeah, whole other but, conversation but for just another day. With today's level of athlete and, and the level of competitiveness, I think that if you don't have that chemistry, um, you know, it's just tough to win. And I think, you know, I think with anything, you could say that about a business organization. At, at right. The day. But I think what, what, what we don't see when, and, and I don't know, maybe we could ask guys that are in those locker rooms if it matters, but I tend to think that when a guy, and I think this is what got us on the topic, when a guy like, like him, like Mr. Ball, the father, comes out and, and boasts in the media that LeBron James will never win a championship in LA without my son and all this stuff, which was recent. And, and my point is, is that, you know, first of all, the guy's showing his insecurity, his fear that his son's going to get traded. Yeah. Second is, so he kind of showing himself there. If you know what to look for when people do this, of course. And then the second thing is, um, is, um, you know, I I was, my first thought as a guy that just has been in locker rooms, like, I wonder what that does for the key team chemistry. Like, how this, do, they, do we think LeBron said about that? But it's almost <laughs> like he's he's writing his son's demise by his own insecurity. The fact yeah. he's got to pop that off might lead to guys rumbling around and just saying, "Hey, man, you know, I'm tired of hearing this guy's dad." That and that and that and then the point is the coaches and the GMs might start looking and say, "You know, well, the kid's only a ten point a, a game guy." And then my thought was, if this guy continues with his mouth, other teams might not want to pick this kid up. Because they might not True. want that kind of just publicity. And that's the point. If, if the kid was averaging 28 points a game, they'll put up with it. And So yeah. the flip on that, yeah. right, would be – and I'm not necessarily advocating this, but I think it's the question is, okay, the kid – Lonzo hasn't been that great, right? 
but yet he's continuing to, I don't want to say dominate the media, but he's in the media and he's in there because of his dad making comments like that, which keeps him in the public focus, keeps his brand alive, keeps um, him as being part of the conversation. Because frankly, but we're here podcasting just two guys in Fort Lauderdale yeah. about this. And, You're right. And, and he's not like a great, he's not a great player. It's not like he's, you know, Jason Tatum or, you know, Kyrie or whoever. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of like younger guys, you know, we're talking about this guy because of his dad and because his dad, I think, I don't think he's saying things without thinking first. I know it sounds like he does. I think it's very strategic. I have no evidence of that. That's interesting. Yeah. I think it's strategically done. I think he saw an opportunity with the whole situation with Anthony Davis, who ultimately didn't get traded, but, you know, people were thinking about it was in the media and he said oh well if lonzo's on the block i'm gonna make some crazy comment and he'll draw how much i mean what do you think the value of the media attention he gets is and i don't mean morally i mean dollars and cents i don't know it's gotta be in the millions well i don't know it's gotta be in the millions i don't here's why i say i don't know i mean obviously i don't know if we can ever know if that's number one but the it's like are they themselves, meaning Lonzo Ball and his family, monetizing that? I don't know. That's I don't know I, either. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know what the value is. We're talking about him, like you said, on the podcast. It was in the media. Was, uh, so, you know, I guess I guess uh, whatever was on my iPad news feed where I read it, they're making money because they're selling ads and I can right. click and all that. But that's not going back to the Ball family. Right. So I guess what I'm saying is, and, you know, this is obviously my opinion, and, 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 and maybe it, it comes from me um, – not wanting to be around that type of personality in general. You know, I, I kind of shy away when I see guys like that right. with these massive egos and they got to talk about how good they are. It's kind of like, all right, you know, I've, <laughs> I've been around this before. I know what this is going to lead to. Well, Let's just shy away. I had an experience with one of those guys at my, my prior law firm, which ended up causing me to leave and open yeah. it, but that's a whole other story. But, yeah, it's well, – The good news is you got your own firm now. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it was, it was but, that guy, though, that was a big reason why I was like, I got to go. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I feel like in general – most people are pragmatic. Most people just want to kind of do their own thing and be left alone. And I think when, when you have these larger-than-life kind of personalities that are always about them and the story, like it kind of – that's what I mean by it might have been interesting at first and it caused some people to look, oh, who's this guy and his kid and uh, and his kid's really good. And But after a while, I was like, okay, man, you know, we're getting kind of tired of this. And, and, right. and the other thing, too, is I just feel like it also plays a disservice to his son – because, you know, at the end of the day, his son has a lot of pressure to perform to meet up sure. to that type of rhetoric. And I, th- I feel like, like we just talked about, I don't know how old the kid is and all that, and I think he's been in the NBA maybe two seasons now. I think so. But, so let's say, and I can't remember if he went all four years in college or not, but the bottom line is. No, I think he was one and done. Okay, so then he's young. I'm thinking maybe yeah. he's only 21 then, 22. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, I, didn't, I was thinking maybe he's 24. but Right. So here's a kid that had, could technically, if he stayed healthy, have another 15 years of playing in the NBA, if, and maybe longer if he stayed healthy. But will he have the chance to blossom and grow with a father like this? Because maybe in two, three years, kind of going back to my point, he might still be averaging eight, ten points a game, and people might start looking, man, you know, we're tired of this guy's dad's mouth, and this kid's not that good. And blah, blah. Versus had there been silence, and the kid was just allowed to be a kid and learn the game and all that, Coaches and staff might have given him a 10-year runway and said, look, this kid's fine. You know, we'll give him till he's 30 to figure it out. And that's all I'm saying. And yeah. I guess, you know, hindsight will know. tell us. Yeah, you know. Another, I think, interesting point on this topic, right, is with access to media, right, 
kids, younger players, people coming up, they see everything that's going on. And you have to wonder, like, what is the influence that this type of media attention is having on the younger generation, younger kids, parents, you know, all the AAU. But you take it even not just basketball in the NFL or Major League Baseball or really in any. I think it's life now, man. Yeah. Everything. I mean, like, yeah, our our kids look (laughs) our, our kids looking at this type of branding and saying this is the way to do it, because you know, I've seen it in business, too. I mean, I push a lot of content on LinkedIn. I push content on Instagram. And I see what gets attention. And a lot of times, it's the bombastic, aggressive, sometimes you might find annoying um, presence that's getting the most attention. And yeah. you think, how is, that, how is that working? What is it about the psyche of people that draws them to that versus like some genuine, positive you know, uh, authentic content. Well, here's what I, but that kind of goes back to my feeling from the earlier comments about, um, I think it's short lived, like in the long run, meaning, right. People start, it just wears, I mean, look, and this, I'll, I'll, I know that people can't see, but you've got a beautiful Daytona Rolex on. So <laughs> I'll call you, I'll call you out that you got a fat watch. Um, and so, the only nice thing I own. But don't get all modest on us. Let me <laughs> let me let me narcissism you over here. Um, <laughs> no, but the reason I, I I call that out in a good way is because to me, Rolex isn't a bombastic company. No, they're, they're very, very understated. Quiet. Yeah. What they've been around. I don't know how long. I'm gonna guess a hundred years or whatever. That, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's a brand that has just lasted, like other brands like that, because they're kind of just quiet. And, they, and you know what it is? At the end of the day, they have quality. There's something that's true. there. And that's my point is, as bombastic as his father is, that's my thing. Had it been LeBron James' father or Michael Jordan, that type of player, or Kobe Bryant, first of all, I don't know what we all would have felt about that, but at least you know one could say, okay, the guy's averaging 30 points a game. Maybe they're just a proud dad. Right. In that way. Um, obviously – let me let me make sure I state that if my kid was in the NBA averaging 10 points a game, I'd be proud <laughs> as hell. On that. Sure. But I'm just making a point that I just feel that it's it's at the end of the day, if the product isn't there, like if in five years this kid's still averaging 10 points a game, then I think it's going to be like, dude, what do you keep talking for, man? You right. know, like it's just like, yeah, your son's a good kid and all that, but why are you? These so other the, parents aren't out there. You know, I think all these the, NBA players. the thought process being, I, I definitely agree, is you can have all the branding you want. But if you don't deliver, I mean, you have to deliver. There's got to be a deliverable. The yeah. deliverable's got to be quality. The deliverable's got to be good. You can have whatever kind of branding you want, understated, overstated, bombastic, whatever you want to do. But if you're not delivering in your day-to-day, your branding I'll, is going to crush this. you. I'll tell you this. So here's where we can segue to a bit more of the business stuff. Sure. So there's a company that you introduced me to, which which will rename name yep. uh, nameless. Yep. Uh, that does, um, and they're very nice people, so this isn't a bash, but but it's just about what what matters in a sense. Right. For when I look at marketing and branding. They wanted to charge us a large amount of money, my company, for internet branding. They were going to take over and host our website, host our Facebook page, host a Twitter account, you know, right. the whole thing. The amount that they wanted us to spend to do that was, you know, a, a nice capital investment. Now, if I could have made a 10 times return on that investment, I'd mortgage my house to make that investment because it's, you know, as a business guy, right. I can make an investment. It's, 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 it's worth it. 
The difference is, is that I realized that what, what they were offering was not something that fit my demographic of client and the, right. and the marketplace because people in the demographic that I work with aren't going to call me because they see a Twitter you know, sure. comment or they see a blog post on my Facebook page. Right. It's all word of mouth or professional you know, referrals from right. accountants, attorneys, things like that. So, so your branding is a little different. Correct. But you have branding. Correct. But, but here's where, I, where I'm going with it because your comment made me think about when I started my business, <laughs> the amount of times I ask clients how they like something on our website. No clients go to our website. Right. They hardly check my emails. You know, all the marketing stuff I send them, they tell me they never check. But you know what? They don't leave and they, they thank me for what I do. And, you know, so I kind of learned that. And it's like you said about the football team. You know, we could spend a billion dollars on a stadium. We could, you know, like being like the Marlins, you know, down sure. here in Florida. We, 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 can, we, can, we can spend all this money on marketing and branding, but at the end of the day, if we don't actually put quality players on the field, if we don't have quality coaches that the players believe in, then what do we have? I'd, I'd rather go play in a rec center with, with the best team right. and have, you know, wooden bleachers and win every game then have the fanciest stadium and all this branding and marketing and be 0-14 at the end of the season. Absolutely. So, and, and, and that kind of brings us a little bit to like what you guys do. We're kind of at the 30-minute the marker okay. here. And for those of you that don't know, our, my little podcast machine here is showing one little bar, one sad little bar left <laughs> on the charge. We'll make it. You said we're going to do 40 minutes, so for at 30, so we're going to give us 10 minutes. <laughs> so I'm kind of sitting here staring at it going, please, please don't die. <laughs> so talk a little bit about sort of we talked about deliverables, but like, what are you guys delivering? What what's the you know your business and sort of what um, you're trying to bring to the table in the wealth management space? Okay, so of course you put me on the spot, and I don't. Have of an course, answer. no, I have an answer. <laughs> you, you better have an answer. You founded <laughs> yeah. the damn company. <laughs> now, here the, the 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 best thing I can say is that I can't give you a canned or cookie cutter answer because each family requires some different level of right attentions, handholding, whatever their goals and, and concerns are. So, what I would say is this, um, and I I, I I love saying it, but I know it can sound kind of corny. Like you know, we deliver peace of mind, and and the reason I say it that way is because I have a system of of, of conversation that I have when when we onboard a family, and it's really driven from a psychological direction. Uh, most people in our industry think from the left brain, analytics, right. math, logic. And what I've learned over my career is that money is all emotional and psychological. So, you know, you could have the same amount of money as the next three guys that are just like Michael, same age, you know, same, you know, they could all be lawyers. You guys could have the exact same dollar amount in the bank and come ask me for advice. I can't treat you all exactly the same. So how do I spend zero right now? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, because I just started my firm, so I'm at zero. Anyway, continue. All right, this guy's modest. He's doing okay. <laughs> I, I just mentioned what he's wearing on his wrist. I'm gonna so, sell so let's it. Let's just to... go there. <laughs> so don't even. Yeah. Right. Just keep smiling. <laughs> right. But um, no. But the thing is, um, you know, so that's why I've learned that we really need to learn who the human beings are in the relationship what their goals and concerns are. Because to me, what I've learned is, you know, the stock market and, you know, picking stocks and mutual funds and life insurance and, you know, getting to with the trusts and the estate planning attorneys. To me, those are all kind of tools that get put in after. Right. And, and, and those tools are only there to help the family get to the direction that they tell us they want to go. So, and that's why it's just different 
for each family, and that's why I kind of get to peace of mind because I feel like whatever we do with the family financially, if it's looking at private equity, if it's looking at real estate, if it's looking at the stock market, if it's looking at multi-generational planning and dynasty trusts and all that, at the end of the day, it's because they told us that's their goal. And, and they're, 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 you know, the ends justify the means of which we get there, which might be one of those tools or services. So that's why I kind of just say, you know, at the end of the day, we give peace of mind. And um, how we get there might differ from family to family. Interesting. So it's really – it's super individual-based, obviously. Yeah, and that's why we can't – we only have bandwidth for a limited number of families. We can't work with everybody. I can't have 500 clients that I'm dealing with because then – um, you know, I can't service because that's kind of become my recent term with clients. I can't control the stock market, you know, I guess because the stock market crashed last quarter. You know, <laughs> luckily, it's rebounded. Um, I can't control tax laws because, you know, we have the tax legislation chain. I can't right. control insurance laws. And if, you know, we live in South Florida with the hurricanes, if, if one insurer decides to cover us down here or they leave and rates go up, that's all out of my control. What I can control is me and my service and my ability to be on top of that information and to drive it up and deliver it to the family for their best use. And speaking of family, you guys truly are a family business, right? Yeah. Um, my wife has the unfortunate, um, uh, I guess, uh, real, re- reality of uh, being my business partner. <laughs> What's um, that like? Um, it's fine for me. I think her hair is a lot grayer. And um, <laughs> I think if, if, if I if, if I get... get uh, if I die in my sleep, just look a little bit suspicious at it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> See, I really like your wife, though. I, I no, can't she's imagine awesome. I'm that she would that do that. If something ever went wrong, there's a 99% chance it was my fault. So can I get the dog? I do- can say that on the microphone. <laughs> can I get the dog if that sh- unfortunately should happen? Yeah. You in know the what? event of an unfortunate Chewy's accident? a good kid. You can get him. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just, I guess, one more thing, and we can kind of wrap this thing up. Yeah. You guys, in addition to, obviously, you know, I'm a client also. Um in addition to us being good friends, yeah, yeah, no. um, you've helped me out a lot. But in addition to the general sort of advice you get from like a wealth advisor or someone who helps you manage money, you guys do like I've noticed a lot of programs for your clients. Semin- I don't know how to say seminars, but I know I've attended a number of different events. Yeah, I don't even know if events the right word. They're small little get togethers yeah, with in- with some pretty interesting players in the financial yeah. community. The access that I've gotten has been pretty amazing. Can you t- kind of talk a little bit about that and how you kind of came up with that and what that's about because i feel like it's a differentiate differentiates you guys you know i appreciate it and um i'll point out as a client of ours i'm i'm, I'm proud that you bought the daytona because that's a, <laughs> that's a rolex that retains its value there you go <laughs> right um no but um yeah so we do we do very small events again it's part of the journey for me of you know when i was entertaining and 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 the, the, the internet company and when i had you know early in the business in the first year or two and we had done some bigger events, and I kind of saw that they you – know, I'm not going to say they weren't worth it. I think we had a lot of fun, and they were great events. But I think the return on investment and the real business side of it wasn't there. So I kind of went back to what I felt got me successful enough to leave corporate America to actually become an entrepreneur. And that was just little touches, going back to the old, you know, asking a client, you know, if they had any friends that needed help but that were in a similar situation as them. And if so, we'd – take them to Capitol Grill or Morton's for dinner and go get to know people or right. doing, um, I did something recently where I have a, a good friend of mine who's an artist, you know, paints canvases and all that right. real talented guy. And I told him, you know, let's do an experiment. I, 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 I want to just do things different. Once you come over, why don't, we, why don't we put some canvases up around the house 
and let me invite some friends and let's talk about it. And right. I had about eight, 10 people at the house, but I strategically invited a couple prospects. Sure. And it was Saturdays. People showed up at six. My house was empty by nine o'clock. It was nice and chill, but what it did was it allowed us to spend a lot of intimate time. And those prospects are now we're talking about potentially becoming clients. You know, it's a slow kind of grind to, to, to get to the client level. But I just felt that doing that was a lot more um, fruitful, intimate, and it kind of matches my personality more. And the things you've come to are things that we try and deliver uh, and we feel are differentiators for us where you came to meet, you know, our liaison from Blackstone. Right. Um, the the folks we had in the room from Black Rock who managed, I think. Was um, that the tax law one? No, that no, was that, was, that was one about a year and a half ago where I had guys down from New York that ran some of their municipal bonds. Right. And I think they oversaw like, you know, $200 billion worth of municipal bonds yep. for, the, for, for the company. So that's kind of what we what we enjoy to share with clients is, you know, through us, you can kind of get these real touches. You know, when people are in town that we have the relationships with, we'll invite you to come and meet with them. We do a quarterly call with right. uh, with the folks from BlackRock. And, and last call was with a gentleman that oversees uh, $400 billion in um, multi-asset type of strategies. And he oversees two funds that, see th- that um, have $30 billion in them. So and and we give the Q and A time for questions at the, uh, at the end of the call. So, what I what I enjoy about it is the ability to connect clients directly with the people I feel are actually, you know, the experts. And I feel like right. that's my role. I'm not here to be the best stock picker, the best insurance guy, the best this, the best that. I'm here to be a conduit for my clients for the best information and the best resources. And with them, we'll kind of create the game plan that works for them. Awesome. And if ever, if anyone listening to this wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Uh, through you, number one. <laughs> so <laughs> All right. well, I'll give you the be, plug. That'll be easy. Yeah. Um, our website is Axial, A-X-I-A-L, Family Advisors, ending in O-R-S, dot com. Axial, Family Advisors, dot com. All one word. But definitely go through Mike first. There you I go. I appreciate the opportunity, Mike, for um, for getting out here and, awesome. and, and talking to the public. Good stuff, man. I appreciate you doing definitely, this with man. me. Thanks a lot. Definitely, bud. And uh, I'll see you soon. Take care, man. Thanks, man. All right. That's a wrap on my two-part interview series with Tunde. A lot of great content in both of those episodes. If you're coming in new to this podcast, go back one episode to hear part one of my interview with Tunde. A lot of good stuff there. Also, thank you, everyone, for listening. And as a thanks, I humbly ask you if you could please go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and also five-star rating, I should say. And also, if you could leave a review, that would be great. It helps with our rating in iTunes, rating on Google, and generally helps to promote the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I've got more great stuff coming up later this month. I uh, hope you keep staying tuned and tell your friends about it. Thank you very much. <laughs>